Hello, everybody, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Kaiju Conversation. I'm your host, Elijah, and joining me as always is my co-host and the editor, Rex. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode. Yes, thanks for stealing my intro. You're welcome. And we're back for the final spooky episode of this month's Halloween season. So we're doing something a little different today. Um, normally we just do uh, audio recordings and we don't see each other. Um, but I spent a lot of money because I was recently on uh, Kaiju Kim, chill with Kaiju Kim, uh, the YouTube channel. Uh, I was on there and I spent like $300 on a webcam and a light ring. And a tripod and new headphones. So I uh, I thought it'd be best to use it. So here I am uh, using my setup and Rex is still doing what he's always doing. But now he sees me. So now he knows if I do a reaction or something. Yes. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> but before we get into the mysterious movie that nobody knows what we're covering, uh, we always do a little. What were Raggy? I thought you were going to say something else there, but no, 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 no. I I know exactly what you thought. I was going to say <laughs> nope, nope. Not going to say it. Not going to say it. Mm. <laughs> um, too. No, I didn't. You nope. wanted to. Nope. Nope. Not one bit. Not one bit. Sure. So, before we get into the mysterious episode that we're going to talk about what movie we're talking about, I'm going to act like that sentence made sense. We always do a little, like, conversation at the beginning on how we're doing, what's new, what's popping, what's hip, yo. Uh, so going in, uh, Rex, have you seen any new tokusatsu lately? Anything cool, exciting, or interesting happen? I haven't watched too much recently. Um, tokusatsu, um, I rewatched Godzilla Final Wars recently. Um, that was very fun. <laughs> it's always fun watching Final Wars. Bro, that movie, that movie goes so hard, honestly. Especially with the dub. The dub just makes it a thousand times better. Yeah, you can't go wrong with that dub. I love specifically the voice actor for Akira Takarada. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. He's great. I think the guy who does Kazuki Kitamura, um, like the controller exilion, I think that guy is perfect for the role too. Dude, he had so much fun with that. I mean, you can kind of tell everyone is in some regard. But, like, yeah. those two, stealing the goddamn show, every scene. And then you've got Don Fry, of course, as well. Ozaki, nice work. Nice work. It's not what you think yet. <laughs> That's how that scene goes. The music makes it go so hard. <laughs> you need to watch Alive. You need to watch I Alive. Do. I need to watch more Kitamura stuff, honestly. I loved that as well. Watch, watch, since you've seen Versus, now watch Alive. And with those two, you'll have the perfect formula for what ends up being Final Wars. 
getting a little bit back on track here. Have you seen anything else lately? Um, well, there's only really one other Toku movie I've watched, but uh, if we're talking, if we want to talk practical effects type movies, I did see um, Terrifier Two and uh, Smile as well. That was the that's a Blumhouse film, isn't it? Yes. Yes. Okay. okay. I Still thought so. Theaters, I, thought, I believe. I've heard a lot of stuff about that one. It's all right. It's it's actually. It actually did remind me a fair lot of our episode's film today. Really? Interesting. It, it's that's that's both a positive and a negative for it, where I I I like the general like storyline, but it's a bit too derivative for me to mm-hmm. love it, you know? Because mm-hmm. oh, what else did it feel like? It it felt like our title film and there was a couple other films that it reminded me of. Interesting. And I've heard nothing but great stuff about Terrifier 2. Bro, that is actually the horror film of the year. Like, honest to God, I loved it. Hmm. If if it were 10 minutes shorter, it would be, like, basically perfect in my mind. Interesting. See, I, I, I'm not a huge horror guy, even though I would like to be. Um, I've thought about looking into either Terrifier 2 or Terrifier. Just mm. to see what all the all the I talk mean, the is about. This is mainly because of um, the extreme violence in both films. Like the first Terrifier, um, it's okay, but it's mostly just an effects showcase and a showcase for its villain, Art the Clown. Mm-hmm. Terrifier Two actually has a a story to it. It's not like an overly like an overly well written story. It's like it's it it just works honestly that's that's the best way i can put it it just works i see i see um now i'm pretty sure you have no you talked about shin ultraman last time i remember yes, now I yeah did. you did yeah so that's all you've seen uh besides the the unknown movie that we're covering mm. did i mention that i saw shin ultraman twice <laughs> You didn't say twice, but you have talked about it. Because I have watched Shin Ultraman twice. It is very good. I really enjoyed it. Interesting. Not quite as much as Terrified 2, but like pretty close. I see. See, I I know a few people now who have seen it, mm. and I still have yet to see it, but I'm oh. hoping... Oh, I just remembered. That, that reminds me. Um, speaking of Shin Ultraman, uh, Hidetoshi Nishijima who plays um, Shin Ultraman's equivalent of Captain Muramatsu from the original, uh, stars in a show that recently just aired on Prime Video called Kamen Rider Black Sun. I've thought about watching Kamen Rider Black Sun. I'm about four... I've seen about the first four episodes. It is quite good. It reminds me of, like, 1990s Keita Anamiya with a lot of its cinematography and it looks 90s and it's and it's um design work too for like the yes writers yes. <laughs> you haven't even seen um i won't say um i won't say yeah, keep it a surprise keep it a surprise i've just i started i watched like a minute of it and i've seen like the henshin and I was like, whoa, this actually looks a lot better than anything Toei's put out. Did you see the henshin from the first episode with the spider monster, or did you see the proper henshin? 
the one that like he like holds its hand out and like it goes over his head and then like he okay so the more traditional henshin with the actual yes. i actually have not seen that yet okay because i'm not up to that episode i think that's the next yeah, one i watch i saw it on uh on twitter and i was like i'll check it out let's let's see if it mm-hmm. looks as awful as uh saber and revis and uh i was like oh yeah no black sun cg has actually looked pretty decent and the best part is there's not a lot of it like um so black sun compared to like your average writer series is probably the goriest writer that i have seen um the only other writer anything to get as gory as it was common writer amazons but like Amazon's uh, gore was 80% CGI. And it was pretty bad looking CG gore too. (laughs) Interesting. But this is mostly practical gore and it looks very good. See, that that makes me excited because that reminds me of like Keita Anamiya. Like he had some Mm. pretty crazy stuff. Yeah. I've been told it's the goriest since uh, Kamen Rider Shin Prologue. Probably, yeah. I mean, Shin Prologue wasn't that gory. I, there's Minus a the, henshin, the henshin moment. Okay, yeah, that that's that moment, yeah. Um, but, like, there's only really one... No, there's... Okay, there's a couple moments of, like, blood splatters, but there's only, like, maybe one gory kill, and it's most... It's like... I feel like it was mostly either done in silhouette or, or with shadows, one or the other. Makes sense, makes sense. But, so you've liked that so far? Yeah, yeah, I definitely have. It's very in-your-face about its message, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, you know? Yeah, I've heard they go really hard in the politics. They absolutely do, and I heard it from what I've watched, and from what I've heard, it gets even harder into it. Interesting. So... I've thought about because Discotech just announced they're releasing Common Rider Black to Blu-ray. Yeah. I've thought about when that comes out to jump around, which shocking, right? Because with Ultraman, I've been going season by season. I'm stuck on Ultraman 80. Um, I've thought about skipping basically all the Showa up to Black, watch Black, and then watch uh, Black Sun just to watch him. Mm. Black Sun interests me so much. Black Sun is quite good so far. The action. Like, there's not a lot of action in episodes. Usually there's only, like, one or two uh, action scenes per episode, but they go hard. Mm -hmm. I was was actually surprised when I went um, on Prime Video, like, when I was waiting for it to come out um, on Australian Prime Video, and I saw the page, and it was like R18. I'm like, wow. Not even Amazon's was R18. Yeah, I was uh, I was surprised by that rating pit because it's rated uh, 18 in, in America as well. Though that actually leads into something I wanted to mention about this. I hate how they've promoted it. Like, it just kind of came out. Yeah, and that's, I don't know. I'm, I don't have too much of an issue with it. It is what it is, you know. But, like, I can't even look it up on, like, Prime. I have to go buy Link to find it. I mean, I can. I, I don't know what's up with it in the U.S. I know it 
was kind of weird at first, but I I was under the impression that like it would be fixed by now. So I'm. So I just, it did take like it didn't come out in the U.S. until like a day or two later, I think. So I just went on my Prime Video because I'm an Amazon Prime subscriber. When I look up Common Writer, this is what I get: Amazon Writer Season One, Striga, Common Writer Zero One. Amazon Writer Season Two, Common Writer, Common Writer Five Five Five, Common Writer Zero One, Real X Time, Common Writer Ryuki, Common Writer Kuga Season One, Common Writer Agito, Outer Man, Common Writer Kuga, Stormhawks, uh, Gamori of Zero, Super Sentai Zoo Ranger, Night Rider, and it, then it just dives into just random stuff. Yeah, I don't know what's up with that, but for me, I, I just search up Common Rider and Black Sun's the only thing that actually comes up. Like, I have to search up, um, I, I have to search up Amazon Riders to get Common um, Rider Amazons. And when I look up Common Rider Black Moon, it says results prime top TV and Black movies. Sun. The boys, or yeah, Black Sun. God, maybe that's why Black Sun. It's still, it, it's got the boys. I mean, the the voice does go pretty hard, so... But, like, that's all it'll give me. It won't give me Kamen Rider Black Suns. I have to to go through a link, and it kind of sucks. That's a shame. But, yes, do watch it. The show is really good so far. It's it's got a good director behind it, too. Um, I don't think you've seen any of his work. Um... I can't remember how to pronounce his name because I always get him confused with another one, another director, um, Kazuya Shiraishi. That's it. He did a movie called Blood of the Wolves um, starring Koji Yakusho, and it's very a very good detective drama. Interesting. Has he worked on anything else I might know? Um, I don't think so. I think Black Sun is his first toku. Gotcha. Um, I know Blood of the Wolves at least has like a Sentai actor in it or something, but that's about it. And gotcha, then Koji gotcha. Yak shows in like um, uh, Kiyoshi Kurosawa films, like Pulse. Mm-hmm. Pulse, yeah. I've thought about buying. Uh, I'm kind of getting off the common writer thing. I've thought about buying Cure, the Kiyoshi Kurosawa Cure. Good movie. Um, that got released but on 4K and Blu-ray by Criterion. Oh, really? and I thought, why not? Why not pick it up? Why not pick it up? It's very good. Like, it, it's it's not something I would actively rewatch because it's not something I necessarily love, but mm-hmm. it is a very good film. Like, I I won't deny that it is very good. Yeah. And uh, because I'm, I'm trying to watch more Japanese horror, um, recently I got the Death Note films, the first two uh, Shutsuke mm-hmm. Kaneko ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I've, I've bought and watched a lot of other things. Um, in fact, uh, the only toku segueing kind of into what I've uh, watched, I've only watched one toku movie, and uh, that's actually related to our topic for th- today. Hmm. Uh, Wonder what that could you, be. So I hear it just it's a it's a cycle. Oh it just, no, this gag. <laughs> it just keeps happening. 
I know, Dude. it's like the gag. It just keeps happening. It, it's like a virus, you could say. Yeah, but... I don't know. I, there's something about it that just spends... Just sends shivers down my spine. You know, something deep. Very deep. Very cold. Hmm. Sounds like you're in a well. Yeah, yeah, kind of like a well. Deep, cold, wet. I know someone is waiting for the day that this that we stop making this joke. I well, they're gonna they're gonna wait as long as oh, a little girl no. might wait in a well because I am not giving this joke up. They're gonna have to go through searching and trying to figure out the clues to figure out how to get me to stop doing this. I hope you get far down a well. And by the time they're done, they're gonna realize they have to share this joke with others because it will always come back. So today we're talking about the 1998 Hideo Nagata film Ringa, not Ringu. We, you are. We are not say, calling it Ringu. I mean, okay? you're saying Ringu right now, so. Well, we're not calling it that because that's improper. That is not what the title of this film is. Mm-hmm. And to explain that a bit, because there's a lot of people that will. Call Says it, the guy that calls Godzilla Gojira. I've been trying to fix my ways. I don't know if it's been obvious, but I have actually been trying to like stop calling it Gojira. <laughs> Because I realized it's wrong. Uh, Ring and Ringu. So in the Japanese alphabet, you cannot actually spell the word ring. Yes. So when when you do put the the Japanese characters for ring in text, it spells out Ringu. Like... uh, House to, um, the 1977 house, uh, directed by uh, Nobuhiko, Nobu, Nobuhiko? Nobuhiko? Nobu, Nobuhiko Obayashi, yeah, yeah. Um, that film in Japanese would be House Houseu. um, but that's not the title of the film in the trailers, House. It's called House. Um, it sounds the, like you're doing an Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. I'm not trying. <laughs> it sounds um, like it. Bro. Well, in the trailer, it's House. It's very cool. It's very cool. Um, which, speaking of which, I saw House in theaters. Did I say that last time? Um, you may have. I don't actually remember. I, I saw House in theaters. That was really fun. Congratulations. Uh, I missed you. out on seeing it in theaters a second time. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> um, anyways. These back, things happen. Back, yeah, these things happen. Back to the Ring Ringu thing. So the film is titled Ring. That is what the film's title is, but the Japanese characters spell out Ringu. So it's titled because Ring. it's a loan word, yeah, right. And uh, I believe it was DreamWorks who acquired the rights for US, distribution yeah. in the U.S. Titled it Ringu. Um, this was partly to just prevent it from being misinterpreted as the uh, 
DreamWorks the film, film, The Ring from 2002. Um, but nowhere has the film actually been titled Ringu outside of that foreign distribution release. Mm. Um, I mean, some streaming releases also call it Ringu too. Right, right. And part but of that's only the also... first one. Only the first one. Right, like, yeah. Because that Ring that... 2 and Ring 0 correct. Yeah. And uh, when Arrow released it, they were supposed to title it Ring. Uh, there's actually a whole bonus feature that talks about how it's ring and not ring goo. And David <laughs> Callett has a whole con- like two minute rant about calling it ring and not ring goo. But in the box set, it's titled ring goo, the ring goo <laughs> collection, ring goo two, ring goo zero. And I don't know what happened and why it was released this way. Um, but the film is titled Ring, and I'm going to continue calling it Ring because that is the film's title, mm-hmm. not Ringu. That's like calling Ultraman Ultraman, or right? Ultraman. 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 What Ultraman. Yeah, and I'm not going to try and do that. Because mm-hmm. I've already screwed it up twice. Yes. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do that with Ring. So we're talking about Ring, the film directed by Hideo Nagata. Now, Rex, do you wanna talk do you wanna be more critical or do you wanna be more historical here at the beginning? I'll kinda let you decide um, what we wanna do here. Because this film has a lot. Probably just historical and see where we go, I suppose. Okay, so this film, it's it's funny. Well, it's not funny. We did this on purpose. So this month has been J-horror. We've been doing more interesting uh, picks for our, our films. And yes. at the beginning of the month, we did Juon the Grudge. And so when we did Jew on the Grudge, we were covering the second most popular uh, founding father of J-Horror. Mm-hmm. Then we went back and we did uh, we did Matango last week, and then we did The Snake Girl and the Silver-Haired Witch the week prior. Um, two 60s uh, B-movie, essentially, um, like B-rate films that Daiei and Toho, some of Japan's largest companies, put out as mm-hmm. kind of like those, those you know, whatever films, filler for release dates. And now we're back to the film that started the idea of J-horror, even though J-horror, as we've proven this month, has existed for decades. Ring I mean, is kind of sparked a sort of new age J-horror. Yes. And some people, uh, David Callett went in on his book, J-Horror, The Definitive Guide to the Ring, the Grudge, and Beyond. In his book, he mentions that he contemplated titling his book uh, Dead Wet Girls or something else. But, I mean, obviously you can't really name a book Dead Wet Girls. I mean, Um, you can, but it may may, uh, get published in the same category as a Chuck Tingle novel. Yeah. Um, 
So I hope I hope someone in the audience knows <laughs> what that is. If they do, good. If they don't, Google it. Don't, don't Google, Google it. Google it. Don't, don't Google do, it. Do it. Don't, it's worth don't, it. It's worth don't. it. Google it. Buy his books if you want. No. Um, but a lot of there's been a, there's. <laughs> <laughs> There's been a lot of debate on whether titling it J-Horror is proper or not. There's even a one uh, a suggestion called Neo Kaidan. Um Neo being meaning new and Kaidan being uh Kaidan uh Kaidan, Kaiden, Kaidan. Kaidan it be. Kaidan. Kaidan uh meaning strange stories. I'm pretty sure I think that's the translation mm. for that word. I had a similar um, thing. It was, I think it was like either new age Japanese horror or something like along that lines. That's like another suggestion. Um, Because like, essentially you have three waves of Japanese horror to, to my understanding, Mm -hmm. you have your classic, like ghost of Yotsuya, um, Kuroneko, Kwaidan, Kwaidan, um, just your classic folklore Japanese horror. And then in the 70s, you start getting more experimental, more crazy, more... More extreme. house. House, um, guinea pigs in the late uh, 80s, just more extreme in any direction, more crazy, more... Mm-hmm. Sweet more home. graphic. Sweet Home, uh, more gore, um, just more extreme. Um, and then we sort of take a bit of a step back on the extremities um, and with Ring. And with Ring, and this is something I noticed, Ring is kind of like a combination of a lot of different horror tropes. You know, the the film The Snake on the Silverhaired Witch, we covered it was very gothic horror. It, it felt like an, 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 a Western horror movie made in Japan. Um, and Ring kind of does the same thing, but it also introduces Japanese folklore a bit with the curse, how the curse happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, with- from what I understand, the curse was kind of already a rumor that circulated um, in Japan, a little bit prior to Ring, apparently. There, I don't know if it was exactly the story of Ring, but I know. I mean, uh, there would be a a lot of occurrences where, like these little fairy uh, folklore tales, these urban legends would spread. And after Ring came out, there was a bit of an urban legend going around about a ghost tape but it never never amounted to much but uh in ring we we start off the film and it reminds me a lot of like scream uh scream was kind of like the new wave of your uh american horror films Mm -hmm. uh being a little more self-aware but what ring does is ring kind of flips that and doesn't mm. satirize the genre 
but goes in a really interesting direction that I, when I first watched it, I, I was not expecting. Hmm. You want to go into what you were expecting with that scene or? Um, well, like when, when the, the scene sets up, you're expecting, okay, it's going to be like scream. Like it's going to set up this whole, uh, story and like, it's going to show the girls being killed. It's going to be like, do you like scary movies? What's your favorite scary movie? Uh, kind of like your typical like shocker opening Mm -hmm. but what ring does is it's very tame throughout ring there's not a lot that happens it's a very tame film it's left it's left for the mystery because the film is more of a mystery than a horror film which i love that I mean, the novel, too, is even more mystery, even science fiction more than horror and supernatural right. horror. And that's, one, that's something I found really interesting is how the Ring book series is more science fiction than it is horror, yet its, its film counterparts have all been straight-up horror films. Yeah. Um. Hmm, that's interesting. I I wouldn't really um, say Ring's um, opening is as like out of the ordinary as you'd say. Because like, bear in mind, a few years before you you had a movie like Candyman come out, which has a very similar opening scene where it's establishing the rules of like Candyman, sort of not quite a curse, kind of. It's kind of similar. Um, and, you know, he appears, kills, I think it was two girls who were having a sleepover, sort of similar to the setup in Ring. Um, and I'm pretty sure the kills were off screen. I'm pretty sure those kills were off screen. But what I mean is just very, very similar setups. Sure, sure. And, you know, that's one instance where I, I found it interesting that there was that Western influence. Mm-hmm. Uh, it wasn't it wasn't like house that feels very very like japanese it it was trying to kind of do what your mid mid to late 60s japanese horror films were doing but it also instead of just going full on like gothic horror or in this case like slasher film Mm-hmm. It goes down a direction of something undoubtedly Japanese. Mm. Oh yeah, it, it's it's a very I, I don't know how else to put it other than it's just a very Japanese movie. Mm-hmm. Um, from our setup, you know, you have you have your opening, and then you kind of you question why is it relevant. And then the story slowly explains, like, okay, so this is the beginning of the mystery. And then yeah. we are introduced to one of our two main characters. Whom is related to the victims of our, or one of the victims of our opening scene. Correct. And then from there, the narrative continues to unwrap. And mm-hmm. it is a mystery that goes deeper than the well that Seteko is in. Like, it... 
essentially it becomes this this film where they have this video and all they can do is take the video and tr- try to backtrace everything mm-hmm. in the video it's kind of like what uh people do with marvel trailers like mm-hmm. they sit there they w- look frame by frame to try and figure out what's going on i mean i wouldn't quite i mean yeah you can make that comparison but i would more compare it to if we're, if we're looking at it in a modern context i would honestly compare it more to like um youtube channels that sort of look into um like mostly unexplained mysteries or sort of horror type stories like channels like Rainbot, Nexpo, all those types of channels. Um, I'm not familiar with them. What, what exactly do they do? Um, so basically you'll get like that. There'll be a horror sort of story. Some are real life stories. Others are fictional like stories from Twitter and uh, places like that. And they'll mm-hmm. sort of just explore the mysteries of that, um, like build a mystery, explain pieces here and there, and there'll still be bits left out. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's honestly some. There's honestly some really interesting um, videos. Oh, there's one from Rainbot about like a, a Japanese um, family, and there's a sign that's like calling for help like this is not the real um, it's like don't trust what x person is saying about a person who disappeared and like it's a really interesting video interesting mm. yeah i've never heard of them before i'll have to check them out mm. and i mean on on that note ring i think is very influential um in the modern area era because of what it, it, I would argue it basically started analog horror. Yeah. I uh, mean, I don't know if it started it, but it definitely was one it's of a, the, it's a big influence on that. Undeniably. Yeah, I mean, I mean, after that you would see like pulse, which goes full into the technological horror thing. Like that, that mm-hmm. film is like all about that. You've got like the one miss call, series i mean i'm more i'm more talking about like with the tape with like the series of sort of vague visual vague surreal visuals mm-hmm. where analog horror like on youtube at least is very um you'll have sets of videos um and you sometimes they'll be normal but they'll be something a little bit off but then other, other analog horror videos are very similar to the curse tape from ring where it's right. a bunch of vague, sort of cryptic, creepy uh, videos. So I, when I was reading Khaled's book, it, they talked about about uh, the Sadako video. And Nagata spe- specifically was trying to try to create something that wasn't just your typical, uh, there's a term, spiritual, spirit... It's a type of video that is like found in folklore. It's called spirit spirit photography. He took inspiration from it, but he also didn't want to like go full in. He wanted something that wouldn't necessarily be unsettling, 
if you understood the context, but because of how it's established and everything about it, it comes across as slightly disturbing and mm-hmm. you question what's going on. Like one of them, and I, I love how the whole video is kind of setting up uh, what Sadako is. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's the video of, it, it's like the, the coming of Sadako. It's like your warning, Sadako is coming. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because there's a, some of the footages of people crawling, but it's reversed. So it looks really weird, but that's how Sadako crawls. And it's it's really unnerving. And part of it also comes from the amazing sound design that this film has. Oh, yeah. The, the score and the sound design throughout this film is what creates most of the scary moments. Credit where credit is due must go to uh, the pretty well-acclaimed Kenji Kawai, who uh, is probably best known for Ghost in the Shell. Really? Yeah. Huh. So he he was the sound designer for it, or was he um, the com- composer, I believe? Gotcha, gotcha. He's also yeah, worked no- on um, Ip Man, and uh, he might have worked on the, uh, the Kara... Kara- Caraboros? I'm, I'm butchering, butchering the pronunciation. Um, Red Spectacles um, and those movies. Oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Stray Dog um, was the other one. The uh, Is it... It's like the Odashi trilogy or something? I don't remember. Yeah. Um, I, I know from, that's from the same director as um, um, Ghost in the Shell. Um, that's Mamoru right. Oshii, I'm pretty sure. Yes, 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 because he also went on to do uh, Avalon and Assault Girls and Garmore's The Last Druid. Yeah. Oh, and he also worked on um, Ultraman Zero, um, Revenge of Belial. Really? Yeah, he did the score for that as well. Interesting, interesting. Um, I almost completely forgot about that. (laughs) Yeah, any time, like, during, during the video specifically, like, the the muffled sound of whatever that is, is horrifying. And that Mm. adds to that, like, not only is it the imagery and the color, but it's the sound because it all feels like this should not have been found. Like, whatever this is, was not meant to be found. I mean, it's in the corner. The the tape itself is in the corner of a a bookshelf. Yeah, the shelf of tapes, and it's completely unmarked. Right. And what I love about the beginning, specifically about the tape, is you never, like, you have an idea where the tape came from, but you don't know for certain, like, how it appeared. Like, it doesn't explain that. Mm. Um, It's absolutely an anomaly. Um, mm -hmm. And even in the movie, and I appreciated the fact they did this, your reporter who knows how cameras work is like, this doesn't make sense. Yeah. The camera should be seen in the in the, the shot the through mirror the mirror. But it's not. And then it adds a whole nother layer of like, okay, so this isn't like a snuff film. This isn't like an evil dead trap. That film opens with like 
this found tape with a dude m- brutally murdering somebody. It's this unknown, like anomaly <laughs> anomaly that just, it came out of nowhere much like ring did ring was not a big film. And then it's international release mostly initially came from sharing the film copy to copy to copy of VHS tapes. Like I was about to say, like like the movie. <laughs> and that, that alone, like, can you imagine already a designed to look horrible video on a copy of a copy of a copy of a copy? Huh. It's going to look horrible. Hmm. Um, it, when it got to some of the producers at DreamWorks, that would end up picking up the rights to distribute the film and uh, create the American adaptation, The Ring. Uh, they, uh, Gore Verbinski, the director of The Ring, uh, who would later go on and do the first three Pirates of the Caribbean films, uh, you mentioned that his copy of Ring was horrible. Like it was horrible, but it added to that mystery, that anomaly, because this film out of Japan just took over the world by storm and nobody, nobody was expecting it to be what it was. Mm -hmm. Um, However, the obviously Katakawa did because they had a film sequel shot. (laughs) At the same time. the same time with a few returning cast and I think crew members. Yes, yes. Only a few, though. Yeah. Um, which would end up, you know, I think damaging uh, Spiral. But that's for another episode. I'm still yet to see it, so. Fair. You don't need to. <laughs> I'm going to. I'll watch all these movies, even... Even those damn Chinese bootleg ones. <laughs> Fair. Or the Korean film, The Ring Virus. Yeah, I someday. Um, I hear it's boring, so maybe a while away. <laughs> we'll see. Um, but, yeah, no, the, 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 the footage is remarkable. And every time that there's a reveal, the score is very sudden. And it helps create this sense of like the tensions rising because throughout the whole film, I mean, it's a ticking time bomb. Yeah. It's a week. I, mean, I think what helps too to make those moments stand out is how just calm yet atmospheric and unsettling the score is normally, even on like right. establishing, like establishing new locations like the island. Mm hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think on to add on to the score is Nagata's direction. Like the film is not it's not extreme. There's not a lot of extreme shots. But the way Nagata uses the uh the crane camera and it's it's a very still but mm-hmm. slow still or slow moving film. There's not a lot of motion. There's not a lot of anxiety. Even even when your climax happens with Sadako, the film ends in a fade out. 
on a freeze frame. So even when the most anxious part of the film ha- occurs, Nagata has not changed the pace. It's a very slow movie, moving film. But because of the tension, you don't sit there and you're like, is it almost over yet? Because it's so well paced that you're not asking questions, which is something that uh, Juwan, the grudge, I felt like didn't do. I thought Ring left enough to question, but also enough to keep the viewer satisfied. It, it was a great mystery. The film is more of a, it, it's a mystery film. Oh, absolutely. What were some aspects you liked about it, Rex? Um, well, the score and just the general, uh, there's also, adding on to the score just a minute, there's also the use of diegetic sounds, such as like the water um, mm-hmm. as well, that I thought helped really build that tension and atmosphere, even when, you know, nothing actually scary is going on really in these sequences. Right. Um, and, and even like the static in, in the video, I think the mm-hmm. static also was another good. Oh yeah. I addition. mean, the video is just very well done. Like the whole movie, like the other point I was going to bring up is the look of the film. The fact that it is shot on 35 millimeter does wonders for the film. It's got this rough sort of imperfect look to the Mm -hmm. entire thing that makes it a lot more interesting to look at than if it was just glossy, um, glossy HD digital, you know? Right. And to me, uh, one of the things that, you know, the film, because it doesn't dive into the sci-fi of the novels and it, it doesn't stray too far in the horror. One of the scary parts is it feels like it could be in the real world. Yeah. And be, you know, you brought up a great point because of it being shot on 35 millimeter. It feels dirty and grungy like the real world. Imperfect. Mm. I mean, adding to that as well, I think is the actual look of Sadako in the film where I think this is the best out of the films I've seen in this franchise. Ring, Ring Zero, um, The Ring from Gorvitsky, and then Sadako vs. Kayako. I think this is the best um, Sadako has looked in any of those films. I agree. Uh, And there's something that's really unsettling when Sadako pops out of the screen for the first time. I have mm-hmm. yet to figure out what it, it, how they did that. Obviously there was some computer work there. Oh yeah. Yeah. I didn't find anything that really talked about that actual scene, which you'd think that would be the scene that people would talk about. Yeah. You know? Right. Um, with and- the special effects, but there's like, I, I think that might've been one of the ones where it's like, no, it was the video that was like, Nakata talked a little bit about it, but it was mostly just trade secret. But um, yeah, going back to Sadako, I think sort of every other 
version of Sadako that I've seen looks too deliberate in how she actually looks, you know, particularly with the hair, it looks too straight. There's sort of like a, like there's a slight messiness to Sadako's hair that I really think makes it look like she's more real. And then also the fact that her nails, she's missing her nails and that because they're in the well, that is something that other movies, specifically Sadako vs. Kayako, completely misses because of how that film changed what the well is actually. Because the well is not related to Sadako in Sadako vs. Kayako. It's actually related to the Juon house. I'm starting to understand why that film is hated. Yeah, it's literally in like the backyard of the Juon house in that film. <laughs> it... Uh, that film sort of is a reboot of both, and it changes a fair few of the rules from Ring. Um, and so you can't do that because Ring's rules are perfectly set up. Mm-hmm. It, the only thing it really does with the rules is it um, makes it um, shorter. It makes it two days instead of seven days. I don't like that. I don't yeah. like it. Either. Um, I, it, it kind of works for that film, but like, you know. If we could've, ever could've cover, if we ever cover Sadako versus Kayako, it's not going to be, be a fun episode. It's not going to be good. That'll be a fun episode. I can't wait for that. I can. I can wait. Seen, I, I can't wait to talk about the headbutt kill. <laughs> We're going to move on from that one, whatever that was. <laughs> um, You'll understand in due time. Maybe. Um, but, yeah, no, I... I I agree with you on on the Sadako thing, and I, and I love that you pointed out the the little details about the fingernails because I think I that feel is like, the most unsettling part of the design. Yes, I agree because like when I first watched that, I remember looking down at my fingernails and like <laughs> clenching up because it was like that is so gross and like unsettling, and I just I didn't know how to react. It was so off-putting. And then another thing that I like about the about Japanese uh, the Japanese version of the character Sadako um, over Samara is that the only part of the face you see is the eye. Yes, yes. I do not like that about the American remake. I do not like seeing Samara's face. You know. Mm-hmm. I remember because I just recently watched The Ring. I got to see it in theaters. And I w- mm-hmm. I'm planning on picking up the steel book that was just released because I mean mm-hmm. I need to get it. Um, I, I I feel like almost everything about Gore Verbinski's is good, but it falls flat on two characters. One being Samara. I hate that name. Sadako is so much cooler. I love Sadako like that yeah, name. In the West, Samara is now the more popular name because yeah, of we don't the American like film. I don't like that. Um, at, least, at least the grudge kept Kayako and Toshio as the names, you know? Oh, they did? Yeah. Oh, good. Well, that's because... in Japan. Yeah, I was going to say that's because the, the grudge was set in Japan, so... Yeah. And it was directed by Takashi Shimizu. True. Um, 
but that and uh, who would be Hiroki Sonata's character? In, yeah, I, I had a feeling that's the one you were going to say. No, so okay, the book goes into the details a lot more, and I like that the film does not explain why Sonata's character is different, but he has psychic abilities. The film briefly touches on it and kind of moves past it. Yeah. Um, whereas Gore Verbinski's version completely just ignores it. It never I was about happened. to say, did they ever even acknowledge that or have him be no. a psychic in that film? Because no. I have not seen it in like about three or four years, I think. No, the way they pitched pitched him the way they executed him in Gore Verbinski's film is he was just kind of like this smart, hot-headed, hot guy that is also the ex-husband. Mm-hmm. With hair that is very of the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> very of the time. Very of the time. It's like that one kid in Lake Mungo. <laughs> yeah. Um... But I love, I love the since I'm kind of talking about characters. I loved how Ring's characters all made sense for the the scenes they were in. Uh, when uh, Koji Suzuki wrote the characters, he specifically split up his more type one personality, which is like your more uh, me type, uh, like intelligence uh logic uh career led uh mentality and then you're more art and creative and daring personality type he split his two personally personality types up and wrote them as the two characters and then you get to see them working together because them together is one full person them separate is not good enough Mm-hmm. Um, which is an interesting idea. And I think the film didn't explore that too much because it doesn't explore the characters as well as the novels do, which I think is to mm-hmm. be expected. Yeah. Um, I mean, 90 minute runtime. Right. Uh, how many pages is a novel? Like two, 300. I think it's yeah. like just short of 300. I could be wrong mm-hmm. though. Yeah. Um, Point remains. Yeah, uh, I like how they they interact and they like their their interaction in Nagata's film is something of like it's less direct than Gore Verbinski's. Mm-hmm. Gore Verbinski's yeah. is very yeah. The tension is like. Nagata's film was all about tension and suspense mm-hmm. and building up this this pressure mm-hmm. that in a way supposedly goes away the moment that well is opened. The moment the well is opened, you kind of get this sigh of relief because they're there, but time is running out. They have to fix it quickly, or so they think. Whereas in Gore Verbinski's, there's a lot of like ups and downs and like 
growing and uh, rising and lowering pressure and tension. Because yeah, I mean, Gorodinsky's arc- one has the horse scene as well, too. <laughs> horse scene. Let me. Okay, I know there's horses. Like horses are a huge part of it. Oh yes, yeah, I the know one on the boat. The one on the yeah, boat. On the boat. On the boat. Which made <laughs> little sense. Yeah, that is. <laughs> well, that is such a, it feels so out of place to me, from what little I recall. <laughs> Gore Verbinski's used a different like disease and like different setup for how Sadako does her thing in the novel. Sadako got raped by a guy who mm-hmm. had smallpox. Mm-hmm. Sadako is a girl who doesn't have male or female parts. She's like... Yeah, she's in, intersex. In between. Yeah. And, Which I think Ring Kanzenban is the only yes. adaptation to acknowledge. Um, Ring or is Kanzenban, there one other that uh, yes, acknowledges uh, it? Ring, I think Ring the final chapter, I think. I know the TV versions specifically are the only ones to properly adapt Koji Suzuki's mm. uh, description yeah. of the characters. So Sadako is this intersex character who can't bear children, who is a child that is raped by her father, I'm pretty sure, mm-hmm. um, who has smallpox. To cover up what he has done, he throws her down the well where she's trapped and she manifests a curse. And that curse, you watch the video and then within seven days you die. And when you die, the movie kind of explains it as more of fear, but I'm pretty sure in the novel it's explained that they have a case of smallpox um, or smallpox is like found in the dead bodies. Um, it's, it's her virus. And the only way to save yourself. And this is the most interesting thing because I, I question, because I feel like there's some loopholes you could make here, but the only way to prevent from dying is if you share it with somebody else. Yeah. So by the end of the film, are we going to talk spoilers? Yeah. I mean, we kind of already have a little. Okay. So now a full-blown spoiler warning is in, in session. If you mm-hmm. haven't seen the movie, go watch it. It's really good. It's good. Um, Hiroki Sonata's character, even though I hated the fact he does, dies. Yeah, and it's after they think they have successfully laid Sadako to rest, mm. and the reason for that is the only way is to copy the tape and give it to somebody else, and they watch it. Yeah. So the only way to prevent yourself from dying is being selfish, which is really interesting because in American film, if this was an American production, they wouldn't have done that. It would have been you released her spirit, she's laid to rest, everything's fine. But no, this is Japanese film. Even if you do that, you're still screwed. You have to send it to somebody else, and then they have to deal with it. And it's either they can just kill themselves, pretty much, and the virus die, 
or you share it with somebody else. Hmm. I mean, that's probably part of why Ring has been was so successful um, and was able to spread through word of mouth because of that aspect where you may try putting this to rest, but oh no, it's not done with you just because you did that, you know? Right. Exactly. Doesn't care. <laughs> exactly. And it's funny because this is the coolest part. Had your main character, the 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 reporter, had she not done anything, done story, had she not done the story, this wouldn't happen. But because she did the story and it's airing on TV, it's going to spread because people are going to look for it and try to do what they did in the story. And it's the perfect solution for what Sadako wants. And it's like, it's so cool because your main character turns out to be the whole reason we're screwed. And there's nothing she can do about it because she's already screwed up. Yeah. She's in too deep. She is. And then she, she then gets her father to save her child, which I thought was one of the most messed up. I like, I was like, whoa. Like, ending on that note is really, really creepy. And she's driving off into not a sunset, but a cloudy-filled sky. Yeah. And then you got the question of, will they spread the curse further? Well, right. Will she even tell them about mm-hmm. the curse? Because now she knows. Mm. And, spoiler alert, her secret. And she has power over the story. So she probably didn't. But that no, it's just that that whole thing is it throws you through a loop. It throws you through a spiral. <laughs> See what I did there. <laughs> See what I did there. And the reason the the novel and the movie are called Ring is because it is this loop. It's yeah, this endless so loop cool. that you can't get out of. And who's mm. to say that you don't get sent it again? Yeah. And then you have to deal with the whole same situation. Mm. I mean, I heard an interpretation. I I don't believe the film really implies this. Maybe one of the other films do. I don't know. But um, I heard an interpretation where it's like if you have to keep the chain going because if someone does actually get killed um it goes back which i don't think works with this film's logic but um because <laughs> you know then she would have the curse from uh ryuji right but you know would be interesting if that's the case maybe it's one of the american films i'm not sure i think it's the sequel i could be wrong i don't know i have only as I said before, only other Japanese Ring movies I've seen are Zero and Sadako vs. Kayako. I, I know what happens in Ring 2, but I'm trying not to say it because I don't want to spoil it, and this is not an episode on Ring 2. All I know is that even though he's dead, um, Hiroyuki Sonata is credited in it. <laughs> I mean, he just transcends life and death, man. True, true. Um, this was the first film that I recognized him in. So mm-hmm. I, I, 
I feel bad because we haven't talked about him. He's one of the greatest actors of all time. Um, I love his look in this film. And Ring was the film that kind of made me realize, oh, that's him. Uh, I love him in Legend of the Eight Samurai. He was in The Wolverine. He was in Avengers Endgame. The he Last was, Samurai as well. The Last Samurai, 47 Ronin, John Wick 4. Can't uh, wait for him in that. Mortal Kombat, Army of Dead. Kombat, uh, Bullet Train. I, the guy's been everywhere. He's like one of the most well-known Japanese actors of all time. And one of the reasons was Ring kind of put him on a superstardom. Oh, yeah. On, on very rare occasions do you get a, Jap- a Japanese actor brought over to do American films. Um, mm. And one who's decently recognizable even to, you know, Westerners. Like the only other ones that I can really think of are um, Ken, uh, Ken Watanabe and Sonny Chiba, really. Mm-hmm. If we're talking strictly uh, Japanese. Japanese in American films. Right, right. Because if we wanted to go further, we could say Jackie Chan. Oh, yeah, yeah. Obviously, Jackie Chan for, like, Asian, like, movie stars. Jackie Chan and Bruce Lee, all them. Right. Even Donnie Yen to an extent, you know? But, yeah, no, Sonata's, like, one of the most recognizable, like you said. Like, mm. that's... Particularly in the modern day with yeah. Mortal Kombat and uh, Bullet Train and soon-to-be John Wick 4. Mm-hmm. Cannot wait to see him in that. And all I can say is, when is he going to be in Godzilla? Honestly, yes, we need. No, we need. I've been saying this since Prey came out. We need a Predator movie with Hiroyuki Sonata. That would be cool. That'd be really cool. Like, that is a match made in heaven. Like, we we can't get Toshiro Mifune because he's dead. So let's get the next best the next best man to fight the predator. Didn't you I feel like we had that conversation once before. We probably have. <laughs> I'm sure we have, but it's just too good of a it's too good of an idea to not bring up again. Mm-hmm. I will fight for that movie to be made. I mm-hmm. will make it my damn self if I have to. <laughs> <laughs> um course correcting a bit back. um the film also surprisingly has a really tiny cast like there's plenty of people in it but like we only really focus on like the the three main relationship is um with sonata and his wife and then there's also of course his son Mm -hmm. which the son is also weird too they don't dive too much into it in the film but you can tell something's weird about the kid. Mm-hmm. Um, Gore Verbinski's film dove a lot deeper into it. How uh, did that one dive into it? I don't remember much from the so kid. The way I understood it, they kind of made it so Sonata's psyche was actually the kids in Gore Verbinski's film because the kid knows about all the different stuff and is like, uh, Samara feels this. Samara says that, and it's like, huh. really? What? What's going on here? And it's because he, I guess, is the one able to communicate with her. Hmm. So, so they essentially gave him 
uh, the psychic powers instead of Sonata. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Okay. Yeah. Um, I do not recall that at all. I, I remember that Ryuji didn't have, uh, or whatever his name was in that film, didn't have the psychic powers because I was actually surprised when I realized he did have psychic powers in this film mm-hmm. when I first watched it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I genuinely don't remember the kid having psychic powers. <laughs> right, right. Um, that being said, uh, I just wanted to dive into a little bit of history. Uh, I, I feel like we've dove into a lot of its history, um, but mm-hmm. I also wanted to bring up that one of the reasons I feel like this film did so well with how it was made is Nagata had already made this film once before um, with his low-budget film, Don't Look Up, uh, which follows a film crew filming in a haunted house that they find this long black-haired girl in white in the footage they filmed. And the rest of the story is them trying to figure out where is this person at and who is it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's kind of like the blueprint for what Ring would be. And you could go as far as saying that Nagata was inspired by Ring when making Don't Look Up. And mm-hmm. that's how he got going. Was Don't Look Up released? 1997 1996 because i know i know he did see i don't know when he saw it but i know he did see the um 1995 adaptation of ring as well Mm -hmm. Uh, it was it might have been whenever it was released to uh ring kazaban correct the TV movie um that was released to theaters limit or no that was before ring came out that was to piggyback off that i'm pretty sure uh but don't look up uh was only a six week limited release um it kind of bombed but when ring came out and they reissued don't look up it was a huge success i mean i heard a similar thing with one of his other films called ghost assassin i think i've heard of that one before yeah, where that sort of had a similar sort of resurgence or a similar boost in popularity after Ring came out. And I think that was one, the one that actually put him on the map to get noticed by the producers of Ring as well. Gotcha, gotcha. Also, I believe it was 1997, Don't Look Up was released because he got nommed for an award I see. Uh, in 1997. I think Ghost Assassin was like around the same time, 96, 97-ish. Probably he was uh, he was working on an independent documentary at the time, so mm-hmm. he was just trying to get work so he could make money, and uh, so he would just do whatever whatever worked, and he ended up landing those jobs, and that landed him Ring, and then he became one of the first Japanese directors to be asked to direct an American Hollywood film. Mm. Uh, the first being Takashi Shimizu, um, yeah, but. He's right there, like a few years later. Um, what was his first? What was his American film? Takashi Shimizu's. Uh, no, 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 no. Um, 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 Nagata. Uh, he was asked to do The Ring 2 
for dream oh, oh that's right that's right yeah so i need to watch that one to see how well it because it's funny nagata directed two ring twos mm-hmm. i've heard mixed things about uh mixed to negative things about the ring to american so i mean it there is a lot to be said that j-horror is more of a producer's game than a director's game um, yeah but mm, i don't know i feel like at least I don't, know, I don't know enough to say for sure, but I, I don't think you can just like blatantly just be like, yeah, 100% producers game, you know? Sure, sure. I, part of that also just was simply the... Particularly when there's two different cuts of um, uh, what you call it, Sweet Home, you know? Right, right. Um, to be honest, Ring was just like lightning in a bottle. You had all the right screenwriters... You had mm. the right director, the right producers. I mean, uh, lightning struck twice with Dark Water. True, Dark Water, I think, is which well, is also based on a Koji Suzuki story. Correct, uh, though that one was a short story. Uh, Nonetheless, point yeah. remains. Yeah, uh, but that's another. That's that's a whole topic for another one. That one, I'm oh, definitely. I I, I want to cover Dark Water. I'm too. sure we'll cover that someday soon. We will. Um, but no ring ring is a, when I watched it, I left it and I, I wasn't scared because mm-hmm. the film isn't supposed to be scary. Mm-hmm. I mean, se. I think the scares in and of themselves don't, I don't think they work as well in a modern context, bar, bar the Ryuji scene. Yes. Of course. Yes. I, think, um, I don't think the photographs are scary at all in a modern context. No. Like, I can understand that working back in 98, like before Photoshop and image editing was really all that well-known, you know, where everyone was like, yeah, you can just do this on your phone. We have filters and things like that. Um, so in that regard, I don't think those scares hold up. I agree. I agree. Um but overall, I think Ring, in its uh, time, like when it when it came out, when you take into that perspective and try to conceptualize that idea, and when you also think about the copy of the copy of the copy, so a very worn out print, mm-hmm. it makes sense why this would be horrifying. Yeah. Um, similar to how like Blair Witch Project, when it came out, was very popular mm-hmm. uh, for its new attempt. Uh, Ring did the same I mean, thing. Another thing with that is it's it's hard to look at horror movies in the like in from a modern perspective. It is hard to look at something that was scary then. Right. scary now i think that's something that's sort of it ju- you can just see that across horror of every era because of how the genre just changes every few years right and ring came at the perfect time where horror in japan was dead or dying i mean it it it, it was on its way out but with Ring uh, and Tommy 
uh, Tommy, I think it is, um, and then Juwan, mm-hmm. you had this huge wave of technology-based horror, of curse and grudges. Yeah. And essentially a genre of dead wet girls. <laughs> like the reason why Khaled suggested that is because with that, you've got uh, Kayako, you've got the uh, I don't know her name from Darkwater, Tomio. Uh, the one from One Miss Call as well. One Miss Call. They're all dead. They're most of them are wet. And they're all female. Um, <laughs> you, you know the one from Dark Water is a child, right? Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Stop. Stop. I tried to say that with the straightest face possible. And I'm pretty sure I, 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 I questioned whether or not I should say what. Yeah, if there was an instant replay, I think there's a moment in there where, like, I I look and I'm like, should I say this? And then I just yeah. go with it. Uh, <sighs> um. um anyway, back back to my point. It just birthed a new genre, and unfortunately, the genre died almost instantly because everybody was doing the same thing. Yeah, and so this things have sort of just become stale pop culturally, and like none of the none of the sort of modern ring movies have had a particularly major impacts in the West. I mean, Same with the Japanese Grudge series, the most recent Sadako DX, right? That DX? just came out like two eight two days ago. Two days ago? Yeah. Oh, I thought it had been out for a while. Because it, like, it premiered a while ago, but, oh, it, but it, okay. its full release was two two days ago. Yeah, same same day as uh, Black Sun. But nothing has like nobody's talking about it. Mm-hmm. Like nothing. I mean, I've I've heard I've heard mostly positive from what from what little reviews I've seen. I've heard mostly positive things. I mean that's good, but I will say this: I think. I think the issue is J-Horror has fallen into what Ring was warning about, that that cycle. Mm. It, it's the same stuff over yeah. and over and over again, and until they can break that, until somebody just... Until something re- something new happens. Right. It's it's going to continue to stay dead. And, yeah. and until I think we can understand what... Cause We've tried to uh, modernize the fear of technology with films like Unfriended and Rings, the 2017 American uh, film. It just doesn't work. Mm-hmm. It, I, I mean, the, I think the thing is, too, is it's just J-horror. Like, compared to American horror, like, when you think American horror, you probably – you may think of slashes, like, but even if you're only thinking of slashes, you'll think of Freddy – Jason, Michael Myers, you know, you think of how different they are from each other. Mm-hmm. But when when the average person thinks Japanese horror, you either think of Sadako or Kayako, who are 
they are if you actually have seen the films you'd know they're different but from a more broad general perspective they may as well be the same thing they're interchangeable right. to the average person you know right it's and I just think one... that's and the big issue is that's what j-horror is exclusively known primarily for them yep and and until we can see something new it'll continue to be that Mm-hmm. J-horror will simply be exclusive to the two, the late 90s and 2000s. Which sucks, because mm-hmm. as, as, as I mentioned at the beginning, there has been J-horror for decades. Yeah, and, and there's some absolutely brilliant stuff from the genre, you know? We've got, like, the films we've talked about, Matango, Snake Girl and the Silverhead Witch, House, Sweet Home, you know? Mm-hmm. And even from the modern stuff, you got um, Noroi, I've heard, is quite good. Noroi, Pulse, even though I'm not a fan of that one, people love that one. Um, you've got uh, uh, Shock Labyrinth, uh, which that was a Takashi Shimizu film. But J-Horror, it there's other things beyond... There is variety in J-Horror. But it's it, none of it's just ever stuck like Ring and The Grudge did. And part of the reason for Ring probably was how it got distributed. That the bootlegging way was how the film mm-hmm. might have meant to have been. Um, and Juon just was... It came out in the perfect time for that... That, like, wave of desire... Uh, not the grudge, uh, not the curse, or the curse too, but the grudge, because Juon the the curse came out, and nobody really knows that's the first Juon film. Everybody knows yeah. the grudge and the grudge too. Yeah. So even then, you could you could argue that it's just the timing of Juon two uh, four or uh, Juon three just was at the right time. And that's why it got wide appeal. And at, beyond that point, you never really saw anything else. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, I could continue to gush over this film. Um, I, I don't want to go too deep into Nagata. And I don't want to go too deep into Suzuki because there's still plenty of other things we can cover and talk about. Maybe even do a review on the original Ring uh, Mm. book. Um, We should do that sometime. I'm pretty sure there's an official English translation. There's an English translation of of multiple of All of his books. Yep. Um, but one thing I did want to end off on that I have, if you want to talk more, you absolutely can, Rex. I, I would love to to talk more about it, is Koji Suzuki specifically said about the book. But I think you could also argue this about other things. And Callet, David Callet, has echoed this opinion before, specifically about uh, like Godzilla movies. Uh, American audiences... Don't under wouldn't understand Ring. They wouldn't understand the the story of Ring. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something more for a Japanese audience and international audiences just don't get it. And we brought up earlier how the ending felt Japanese. 
and I I wanted to bring this up then, but I I I feel like it's a good thing to at least bring it up now. Is that is a prime example of that? Uh, you know, Callet said about the Godzilla films, uh, Japanese audiences are conditioned to expect a uh, condition to fan fantasy above realism uh while whereas western audiences are conditioned to expect realism and anything short of that is not good enough um which has been my biggest argument for why i have yet to see a proper american adaptation of any japanese live action film um all four Godzilla movies, uh, The Ring. Uh, whenever I watch The Grudge and The Ring Two and The Grudge Two and The Grudge Three and Pulse and Pulse mm. Two and Pulse Three and The Grudge and Rings, I'm sure I'll say the same thing. Yeah, it just doesn't. It doesn't translate. I think part of that is just from from the cultures. Uh, if if it isn't obvious by now, out of the four, uh, from the four films, well, Snake Girl and the Silver Haired Witch, I'll exclude, but three of the four films we've discussed, the ending does not end with a happy ending. Yeah, the people that should survive the horror movie don't survive the horror movie. <laughs> it throws you through a loop. It throws you through that moment of like shock. I didn't want Hiroki Sonata's character to die. The fact the film ends on him dying was like, I was shocked because I, I was so upset that they did that to my favorite character in Juon. Nobody's safe. Nobody's safe. Everybody dies. Nobody survives. Um, in Matango, house. yeah, in Matango, your character that's been fighting to not eat the mushrooms ate the mushrooms. It just you're screwed if you're in a Japanese horror movie. It doesn't matter who you are. Yeah, and I think that's one of the most interesting things because uh, in the at the end of Little Shop of Horrors, the movie, uh. They reshot the entire ending because in the original ending, uh, Seymour and Audrey both died to Audrey too. But in the test audiences, people hated that, so they scrapped it and reshot it where both of them survive because they wanted. Mutuals in that scene look so good too. They do. Though they, they spent weeks working on that final. Uh, sequence and they had two weeks to do the new one um if i remember correctly um but hey that's test audiences <laughs> that, that's a prime example the test audiences did not like the fact that your main characters died mm -hmm. and so they fixed it so it was typical and your main character survived that is not how j horror works in J-Horror, you don't know what's going to happen. And that is the magic of Japanese horror compared to Western horror in most regards. 
Yeah, I, I do think it's interesting how it's a bit more unpredictable in Japanese horror whether the characters are actually going to live for it. Mm-hmm. Like, I and still think never... it's more likely that they will, but, you know. Right. But, like, specifically in the wave that followed uh, after Ring, a lot oh, of that. Definitely. Was, no, everybody's screwed. Yeah, definitely. Even, like, one with Skull, too, you know? Darkwater as well. The main mm-hmm. character sacrifices herself. Mm-hmm. Um, I was gonna bring something up about um, the whole fantasy element. I'm just trying to recall what I was actually gonna say. Um, yeah, I find it. I find it interesting just seeing that um, clash in like Godzilla and um, Ring where. American films, you know, there's this idea that everything has to be explained, everything has to make sense, particularly in a more modern context now that we've got, like, the wannabe cinema sins type characters who are like, this has to make sense. If if you don't explain this one specific detail, then that's, then that's a major plot hole, and the film is absolutely ruined for it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which I hate that mentality, but anyways. Right. Um, I mean, whereas, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, I insist. I already forgot. Thank you, bro. Um, where in in this in in Ringu, the film just introduces something like, oh, Ryuji's a psychic. All right, let's go for it. You know, the how how does how does the ring tape come? Let's go for it. You know. Um, I mean, I don't think they really explain like the psychic element or even the origin. Do they explain the origin of the tape in the American version? I don't. I think, I think they say she created it. Because I remember them going a bit more into Kai, uh, Kai, <laughs> Sadako's backstory a little bit in like the the American film, like during like the second act of that, where. There's like flashbacks to her in like a mental hospital or something. Right. Yeah. No, they, they have footage of like uh, her being in the mental hospital and how she's like, I want to hurt people. Yeah. Whereas like in Ring, there's only really one scene dedicated to that where like she, where her mother um, is doing the um, performance in front of the journalists and then one of them dies and Sadako comes out. Right. And even then you don't see Sadako. Yeah. Um, one of the things I think was a lot scarier about Sadako versus Samara was Samara you see, and she just looks mean. Sadako, you don't know what she looks yeah. like. Yeah. You yeah. don't know and what she looks like. Yeah. And that's why I don't like seeing Samara's face. Like in mm-hmm. that scene where she attacks uh, not Hiroyuki Sonata, you know? <laughs> he will, he shall forever now be known as Ryoki Sonata. I am. I'm sure he's probably like a famous, a somewhat famous actor, but like I, a don't care. B, he's not Hiroyuki Sonata. You know, this is true. <laughs> um, that being said, uh, real quick, I just wanted to say we've been trashing on the, uh. American film for 
most of the this uh, recording, but I I do want to say I thought the ring was a decent adaptation. I like I like the ring. I I like both films. Like I a ring is like equally. Mm-hmm. I, I like them both in different ways. I think um, the the ring is something I can more easily pop in. Sort of like it's it's less. I feel I remember it being less slow burnish. So if I'm in more excited, energetic mood, um, then I'd probably put in the ring. Um, but you know, I think both are pretty 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 damn good movies you know yeah i agree um i think the ring suffers from your typical early 2000s uh hollywood yeah Yeah. i'm not a fan of the overly blue color grading as well yeah yeah Um, i think it works for the film but i think it's still a bit overboard i agree and i i think i think the story lacks in mystery throughout most of the film uh yeah now eventually we will i i I would love for us to cover the ring uh so we can get to get into covering american adaptations eventually even of like 54 and raids again and all them yeah that'll be interesting we haven't we haven't done any of the american stuff we've only done yeah we've intentionally left them out because we it's worth going in on a uh, separate episode talking about them because they're the ring. They is are separate not, beasts. Yeah, and the ring is not ring. There's oh, a, a huge difference um, of both films. Both mm-hmm. are good. I think the I think Ring is phenomenal. I think the Ring is good. I love Gore Verbinski as a director. His Pirates of the Caribbean films are some of Hollywood's greatest blockbusters. And I've never seen one full. I I love uh, three. I think three is amazing. Uh, one specifically does not feel like a blockbuster, but it was. Mm-hmm. the The CGI in those is great. Um. I think Gore Verbinski is a great director and you can see the fact that he is not your typical B-rate director because if you watch the following Pirates of the Caribbean films, they just don't work. Honestly, horror directors going into action is just one of the best combos you can get. Like James Wan going from like Saw, Insidious, Conjuring to Aquaman. Aquaman. That bro, that is amazing. And uh, I love how his Aquaman like action style transfers into his horror film Malignant. Yeah. Uh James Gunn did Slither, and now he's doing mm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Even the director of Shazam, like he came from like Annabelle Creation and um Lights Out, I think it was. Really? Uh, yeah. Yeah, he was a horror director um before wow. making Shazam. Wow. And Shazam has those horror sequences that are that actually really well done. That is true. And then you've got... Like, for a PG-13 family film, essentially. Right. And then <laughs> your obvious one, Michael Doherty and Adam Wingard, but... Oh, yeah, but... Um, um, you know... Do we have to bring those up? I mean, I mean to be okay. I don't mind Doherty, but Wingard... Just, no. Wingard. Wingard can... 
Wing God's Wing God. He can go. Why did we have to bring him back? <laughs> Why? 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 <laughs> Dude, get Gorbachev to do a Godzilla film. Bro. That would be, be interesting. I'd, I'd be curious. Let's see it. Bro. Let's see what happens. Can we just get any like other horror director? Can we get James Wan to do Godzilla? His company is called Atomic Monster. This is true. And isn't Atomic Monster working on a movie? I think they're working on a. I think they're working on a monster movie, like a giant monster a TV film. show, or is it a TV show? I don't remember. I think they're working on like one, um, like giant monster project, um, but like in the like. Oh, it's the kaiju years. score. Isn't the kaiju score? It might be. I don't remember. I, th- I think it is the kaiju score with Sony. I don't remember. I could, um, I could be wrong. I don't know. I'm not fine. Oh, apparently they're working on King Kong? Oh, they oh, might be working on the Disney right. TV series. It's the Disney TV series. That's what they're working on. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And I mean, it'll, he didn't have a remake. Ill, ill. <laughs> There's another good example of a bad adaptation, probably. Soon to be very bad adaptation. Um, but anyway, ring, ring. We went ring. off topic again. We, we went way off topic. But <laughs> I think I think what uh, both Rex and I are getting at here is, um. Foreign adaptations, especially for films like Ring, are really hard to do because Ring was lightning in a bottle. And yeah. it's not every day that a film comes out and births a whole genre. I mean, look at Marvel. Um, Blade came out. That didn't birth a new genre. X-Men came out. That didn't like – we didn't get a huge – it was something that took dec- uh, over – two decades mm-hmm. and all it really was was just marvel producing after film after film after film mm-hmm. um, with dc trying to catch up but always stumbling um, yeah ring created something unheard of which was this huge boom of horror all of a sudden mm-hmm. and it all got recognition and foreign horror too you know mm-hmm. Because uh, it was popular even like outside of the US, you had, I mean, Hong, you got places like Hong Kong and Taiwan where it's going to be pretty popular, where it was even beating out like the Matrix, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, Korea, South Korea, which um, had their South- own adaptation. And which was, which makes sense because there was bans on Japanese content, but it's the fact that Ring did so well that they wanted to do that. Um, Korea wasn't really pro-Japanese. They still aren't really all pro-Japanese. But the fact that even South Korea was like, this is good, remake it, says Mm. something. Yeah, and it even became popular in like UK television networks where it was like one of the most popular Japanese films on there until like I think it was a Doraemon film that um, overtook it on like KTVs or something. Interesting. 
Something like that. That's what so I read. Ring is Ring is something truly special. It, it truly is. Very influential, you know. Mm-hmm. Um and last last week uh I asked you to rate all the films. And so let's let's put Ring in the ranking that we gave, if you can remember yours. Okay, so my ranking was from from it was Matango Snake least Girl. best to least best to best was Juan Snake Girl, and then yeah Matango. Mm-hmm. Um, where would I put Ring? That is interesting. Um, hmm. I would probably. Mm, a part of me wants to put it. I want to put it either. I'm gonna say for now, between Juon and Snake Girl, but I do think there's room to grow. <laughs> I see the shock on your face. <laughs> <laughs> This is really funny. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm gonna need a drink after that. Look, man, I I enjoyed Snake Girl a surprising amount. I genuinely didn't expect to like it as much as I did. Look, man, Snake Girl was very good. Okay. So you're wrong. Um, (laughs) Am I, though? Yes. So I would put Ring. uh, My my list was Juwan, Matango, Snake Girl. I would put Ring above all of them. Ring, Juwan, Matango, Snake Girl. Ring is not the scariest. The scariest goes to Juwan. F. Kayako and that sound. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. No. Oh, I just got chills from <laughs> about that. And you just you know, saw that. You know, I had a, I have a friend. Um, she she made, like, a, while we were talking, she made, like, this croaking sound at, like, one point in our conversation. And I'm just thinking, like, I'm going to need you to send me a voice recording of that so that I can send it to one of my friends. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Nope. I'm going to need it. Nope. Mm-mm. 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 Oh. Uh, I can't. I can't. I just can't. You know what I'm doing next time I meet up with her. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, it's not It's not the scariest. That's Juan. But I love, I love Nagata's directing. I love the camera shots. I love the occasional extreme angle, the camera, uh, the uh, crane shots, um, just kind of the subtle motion throughout it. Uh, I love. I think it's the most well-made film of. Like, I agree. The four. I, I, I'll agree with you there that I think it's the most well-made. Um, like Snake Girl and the Silverhead Witch is the one I feel was probably the most. B rate in feel and look, you know. Um, but for me, in pure like 
entertainment value. It's like, I don't think Ring works as well on my, maybe it'll grow on me more, but it doesn't work as well for me, like on rewatch. It's not something I can just pop in and be like, yeah, I want to watch Ring all of a sudden, you know? Interesting. See, I, I put in the David Callick commentary over it all the time. Um, you see, I I don't have that commentary. I watched it on Tubi. <laughs> ouch. I'm sorry. I don't have the Blu-ray yet. I will get it. You need to get the box set. I'll get the trilogy box. box set. That's what I want to get. Or Good. quadrilogy, really. Yeah. Um, if you've listened through all of this and you haven't seen the movie, well, you go watch it. You spoiled it, but go buy the Arrow Video Blu-ray box set, the Ring Collection, mm-hmm. the Ring Goo Collection. Honestly, just buy all the Arrow Video sets because, like, minus Matongo, all these either have or are getting, in Julian's case, mm-hmm. an Arrow release. So, you know, um, yeah, uh, pick it up. It's got it's it's got a 4K remaster of Ring. A great commentary by David Callett, who did one for Ghidorah the Three-Headed Monster, uh, Gamera versus Guiron, and uh, a UK commentary for Mothra, H-Man, I think, Battle in Outer Space, he did one too. Mm-hmm. I, I know he... And on top of that, you get a bunch of bonus features and free um, sequels of Mixed Reception. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but definitely check it out. I, I love Ring. I think Ring is something that I will... It's a hold. brilliantly made film. Like, mm-hmm. like in spite of my opinion, I, I can't deny the actual talent in the filmmaking mm-hmm. um, from Nakata. And one thing I, I didn't bring up is the sets. I love the sets. It feels very realistic. It's very detailed. The whole movie has a very um, realistic and even like intimate feeling with characters. Actually, that's something I wanted to bring up too. Where like, I, from what little I do remember, I feel the American film was like very overt with like establishing its character relationships between like um, not Sonata, um, his wife or ex-wife. Um, they it, they even, just like they implied. Um, Oh, not even only that, not only that, like the body language as well, the expressions of the actors, it's more in your face about what the film is trying to convey. Mm-hmm. Um, and with like the student as well, mm-hmm. um, where in this film, it's a lot more subtle. Like if you're paying attention and you're paying attention to the dialogue and how the actors are playing off each other, you'll pick up on all these emotions um, I think a brilliant scene is when um, when they're on the island and they're staying in the um, room together right before or right after being shown, like, the photo. Um, what Was it the photo of Sadako? No. No, no it, it was, was the family. It was Shizuko. It was Shizuko, I believe. I th- um, are you thinking of when it was all three of them? The father, whatever the the house where the mirror was, you know, the building where the mirror appeared. Um, Like, I I think that scene is absolutely brilliant in how it's shot and how it's acted, especially. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I think that's something that, from what I recall of the American film, it's just, it's too overt for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I always felt like The Ring tried to do a lot of establishing shots, a lot of lot wide angles, um, whereas mm-hmm. Ring tries to keep it more of that medium to yeah. close it. Yeah, when you say that, I think of like some of the establishing shots of like the tree um, backlit yeah. by the moon. Yeah, that's what instantly comes to mind. Which is a striking visual, mind you. To be fair, it's just different. It, different it's going characters. for a different. It, different. It's going for a different feeling. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Um, absolutely. I like the ring. I think it's great. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I'm about to make a statement that might be very interesting to say. So let me just Ooh. make sure I, uh, I definitely agree with this opinion. <laughs> okay. So yeah, since you've been on the podcast, so episode 21, Curse yeah. of the Demon. Since then, I would probably go as far to say I think Ring is my favorite film we've discussed. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, wow. it's, it's, <laughs> it's competitors are the Super Inframan, which is good. Um, Based movie. It's, it's a fun watch. Um, Gojira or Godzilla, 54. Mm-hmm. King Kong 33, King Kong versus yeah. Godzilla, Godzilla versus Kong, The Last <laughs> yeah, Dinosaur. The body, that easily. <laughs> yeah. Godzilla 2014, Howl from Beyond the Fog, A Day of the Kaiju, Godzilla Raids Again, Son of Kong, Clash of the Titans. I wasn't counting, but I would say I like Ring more than Clash of the Titans. Cloverfield, mm-hmm. Jewel on the Grudge, The Snake Girl, and The Silver-Haired Witch, and Matango. I think it's my favorite film that we've talked about. Honestly, fair enough. Yeah, I uh, I know back when uh, I I posted on January fifteenth uh, my top five Tokusatsu movies I saw in twenty twenty one, which I saw almost a hundred. Um, Goddamn. Not the ring, or not ring, but ring two made it to the top five. And really, I, I always go back and forth on ring or ring two. Um, ring was right up there with those, those other. Uh, so what you're saying is ring two is actually good. I like ring two. Apparently a lot of people don't, but we'll talk about that one when we talk about ring two. Hmm. Interesting. Um, that's all I've got, Rex, unless you've got something else. I mean, I think I more or less brought up all my other points. Okay. Um, so this is the last episode of the spooky season. This episode is going live. Hopefully if we can get it edited in time, uh, Halloween. So last day, if anybody's actually listening on Halloween to us, talk about ring for, what will essentially be almost two hours. Oh, Jesus. Please message us. 
I want to know if somebody is spending their Halloween listening to us talk about Ring. Um, but it's been fun. We've done a full month where we did an episode every week. Um, maybe we can do minus a little hiccup with this week or yeah, this episode. But, but I mean, it was. I think it's a good happen. idea. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see if we could do this again. Another like themed month. Mm-hmm. That's not mm-hmm. just October. Um, yeah. We'll see what we can do. Uh, I mean, I think we should. Honestly, I think that soon enough we probably could go to two weeks, like like one episode, two weeks, it, like we used to. Yeah. Now that my car situation's figured out, your schedule's a little more figured manageable. out. Manageable. Yeah, manageable. It's more manageable. Um, and we kind of know what we're doing. Kinda, mm-hmm. kinda. <laughs> Don't expect, I mean, you know. To be fair, we're still not like I'm. It's five o'clock in the mm-hmm. morning. I've sat, I've sat here the entire night and talked about ring. <laughs> <laughs> I got. I get off work uh, at midnight. I get off at work on, at midnight. They happen, you know. And I drove here and I got here at like one. So it's been pretty much my whole night. I could have slept and woke up. You're welcome. Um, but that's the joys of having an, a co-host in Australia. Um, I'll just say this on air now. Uh, normally, this is something I would just tell Rex. But the Godzilla against Mechagodzilla screening is happening uh, this month or this week. Uh Fathom Events is putting on for Godzilla Day. I'm having my best friend come with me, and I think I'm going to do a bonus episode recording where he's going to... I don't know how long it'll be. Knowing him, it'll be like 20 minutes because he's not going to say much. Um, But I want to maybe talk to him about that so you guys might have a little bonus episode going over... uh, Godzilla against Mechagodzilla through his opinion. I'm not mm-hmm. going to give anything. I might just say it was cool to see it in the big screen and see this and this. But that's going to be about it. Um, and then we got our November dedicated episode too. We do. We might try to slip in a second episode. We'll see. I, I might... wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't be against it. I wouldn't either. I don't know what we'll cover, but... <laughs> we'll see. I, I know I also I haven't had any time to watch any toku besides what we've been doing, so I'd also like to try and fit in some more just toku. Um, so I mean, we can discuss that a bit more later. Yes, yes, we can. So with that being said, I think now is a perfect time to go ahead and wrap things up here. Um, Alrighty. Before we go, we got to do our plugs. So, Rex, tell them where we can find you at. Well, as you know, my name is Rex Zeno. You can find me on YouTube, uh, Rex Space Zeno, uh, X E N O, for clarification, because um, people seem to spell that wrong when I tell them. <laughs> um, on Twitter, I am at Rex underscore Xenomorph, uh, Instagram, Rex underscore Zeno, and. Uh, you know, if you want to read a bit of my writing, check out the Tokusatsu Network. Definitely check those out. Um, I'm Elijah. 
you can find me on Twitter at ET13Productions, on YouTube at ET13Productions, on Instagram at ET13Productions. If you want to try and find my personal stuff, you can. Um, you know, I've got a Twitter, I've got an Instagram, I've got a Facebook. Go for it if you want to find it. Uh, recently, I was on an episode of uh, Chill with Kaiju Kim. As I mentioned, if you want to uh, go to Kaiju Kim's YouTube channel, check that out. Um, there, I talk about the podcast, my short films. Um, excuse me, uh, just kind of what I do. What I do. Um, besides that, you can check out uh, my writing with Kaiju Ramen Media. I've written for them for every single issue they've put out. Um, they are up to issue five being published. Issue six is in the works. And I actually wrote an article that briefly mentions uh, Ring and The Ring. So oh. you might want to look into that. Uh, it's got a, it's a pretty cool article, um, if I do say so myself. I've, uh, I'm also working on a, a, a handful of other articles all at the same time, too. Uh, <laughs> I've got two of them three of them done uh, i'm working on three others as well um so i'm a busy bee with my writing and uh all of this you can look forward to in upcoming art uh issues of kaiju ramen magazine i also write for the website kaiju ramen so check those out definitely um with that being said i think it's time to do the kaiju conversation plugs as always don't forget to rate our show on iTunes that boosts our ratings and helps us get recommended to more people just like you. Uh, speaking of being recommended to more people just like you, let me quickly check to see if we have any new reviews. Recently, we were review bombed, uh, so we are sitting at a solid three stars. So it doesn't look like we've had any new reviews, but if you guys could, that would be great. Please give us a five-star rating. We would appreciate that very much because we we do try with all of these. We try. If you don't have an Apple device, which I don't blame you, I don't, you can leave us a review on Spotify. Spotify now does that, and uh, that's another great way to, to help us uh, boost our spirits and help us get out there to more people. Uh, or you can tweet us. And follow us on Twitter at K-A-I-J-U underscore C-O-N-V-E-R-S. If you don't have Twitter, you can follow us on Instagram or like us on Facebook and leave us a review that way. Or if you're like me before podcasting, lucky you, and you don't have any social media, you can email us at kaijuconversation at gmail.com, all lowercase, all one word, you know the drill. And like I said, if you leave us a review, we'll read it out on air so everyone can hear it. Just please, five stars, please. We also have a Teespring store. Um, it's just our logo. If you want to go around sporting the logo I designed, I'd appreciate it. Go for it. I need to get one myself. I don't know how to do that. Without, there's like a sample I can get, I think. I don't know. We'll figure that out. Or if you want to go another route, you can always join our Discord server uh, where we are on. I'm not on it as much as I used to because of work, but it's got a bunch of great people there that talk about kaiju, tokusatsu, and everything in between. Uh, right now in our general one chat, 
it looks like the last conversation was about uh, we had a new person join. Welcome. And uh, we asked them what their favorite tokusatsu movie TV uh, show or movie was. And they said Shin Godzilla. And we had a little Shin Godzilla Shin Ultraman discussion. So lots of stuff going on there. And if you want to hear the bloopers to this episode and other episodes, along with bonus stuff, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit the bell so you can be notified anytime we upload. I'm just now starting to get caught up on episodes, so all of our episodes will be backed up there too as well. Hmm, finally. I know, finally. It took me a long time to do it, but finally it's Indeed working. it did. But, you know, he seems every, every Sunday, every Sunday until I get caught up, you'll get a new episode. Hmm. How lucky. So thank you guys so much for listening to us talk about Ring for two hours, especially if it was on Halloween. If it was on Halloween, please let us know. Um, you I should end the night by watching Ring. Yes, watch Ring. And if you can, watch all the movies we talked about. Do, what, a, do a full movie gr- Halloween night marathon of like Ring, Jew on the Grudge, Matango, and Snake Girl and the Silverhead Witch. There you go. Go for it. Do it. Have fun. Enjoy quality cinema. We reviewed all good movies. For once. For once. I can't promise it again. <laughs> can't promise it again. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. And I think we are good. Thank you guys so much for tuning into this year's spooky season. I'm happy we finally were able to get out a full month worth of these. I've tried to do that ever since the podcast started. So dreams mm. have been made. Uh, and we're we're done. We're done. So thank you guys so much for listening. Woo-hoo. Time to celebrate. <laughs> right? And please, everybody, remember, life's too short to not talk big. Bye, guys.